0: Skip a beat on the seventh rest bring feast we don't pass them over We got the first fruits no way to show us this yoke is easy this burns light even with a loud mouth trying to eat at the mic even if we down south the humidity spike fails torn in tubes so we gon' be alright it's all grace till the hop goes off heretics better run till the top blows off got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox i to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop don't stop they're in need of it though through grace by faith they could easily grow new wave new age new way to see bro now nah, one truth life one way to the throne Got a still in control, he knows every care, every feel that you hold, he knows every hair every need for your soul, nothing new around here, this story's been told, bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters, with bruised feet, your body is battered, you can't reach trying to climb up that ladder, sit back and hold fast to messiah matters, it's all grace till the half goes off, heretics better run till the top blows off, got them all stood still like a job full of botox, Tryna to break him down like a jaw on a blow pop, Now, one truth, life, one way to a throne. Bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters. With bruised feet, your body is battered. You can't reach trying to climb up that ladder. Sit back and hold fast to Messiah matters.
1: Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. This is my matters number 432. I got a hot mic. That's okay. This is my topic. I am pumped. My name is Caleb Haig.
2: And thankfully my mic is a little bit cool today. We've had hot weather today. I think the highest 70, so now I realize
1: I realized my mic was on. So you got a little you got a little taste of the back end. Of me talking while music is going on. That's okay. It's okay. That just show that just keeps us humble. Because what it shows is that we're not real professionals. We're just two dudes with mics.
2: That uh that, studied the We Bible. were actually That's thinking it. about renaming the show Two Dudes with Mics.
1: That's right. That's probably already a, a pot everybody has a podcast today, right? Everybody and their mother has a podcast. Two dudes with Mike. Because huh. we
2: got Mike. Mike's Boom. in the house.
1: Boom. Okay. So the uh, the Mystery Bible Theater 3000 that rec- we recorded the other day hasn't been up, but that, I forget what I said, but I'm going to go back and listen to it, and that's going to be a shirt. It's, it, oh. it, it's good. Uh, okay, cool. That's going to be a shirt. It, it's got to be. Well, we'll get Mike on it right away. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Messiah Matters. Uh, we're happy you're here. Welcome to everybody in the chat room. Slow <laughs> drip today. There's not a lot of people in in the it's chat our room our happiest today.
2: place on earth.
1: That's right. <laughs> uh, Not a lot of people in the chat room today, but that's totally fine. You know why? Because the people that are in there, they're the ones that matter. All right. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. I'm going to give you all of the information on how to get a hold of us and be part of this conversation right now. And then we're going to jump right in. And I am excited. I am excited because finally someone asked the question that I have wanted to answer for the past, I don't know, 10 years. Let's do it chegg at Torahresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at Torahresource.com. That's where you can send emails, send us whatever you want to in terms of topics. Try to keep them somewhat short. I don't like reading books in my email, but that's okay. 253-465-3205. That's our comment line. You're not going to talk to us. You just talk to an answering machine. Tell us how much you love us, hate us, disagree with us, agree with us. Whatever you want. Doesn't matter. And we listen to all those as well. Don't forget to go to Messiah Matters. All of our past episodes can be seen there. And listen to There, I think we started videotaping it show something early, like 32 or something like that. And last but not least, by any stretch of the imagination, TorahResource.com. Go to Torah Resource, find all sorts of uh, different (laughs) resources. We got some really cool stuff in the works right now. Uh, Mike and I have been working on putting together resource packages. It's, if it sounds cool, it's because it is. It's it's gonna be good. It, it, I'm super excited for this. So in the next couple of months, you're gonna start seeing resource packages come out, and uh, they're gonna be awesome.
2: All right. Okay. I want. I have a question. Yes. Apparently. Hang on just a second. I, oh, go ahead. Don't forget to subscribe. Go. Yes. Don't forget. I read an article, maybe you read this too, that the first AI sermon was preached in Germany in a Lutheran <laughs> okay. church. No, so no. They well, the, that does the not sermon, surprise me. The sermon was, was AI. So my question is this, could there be a day where Messiah matters, No. where it's an AI Caleb and an AI Rob? No, no. I'll tell you what, somebody sent us... What if What if it's a deep fake and someone's nope. trying to... They're trying to ride our coattails. And I'll tell you
1: what, nobody can replicate. No computer can replicate.
2: The Hoff going off. The Hoff going off. You, you,
1: you and me, right? And somebody sent us... Uh, uh, they put like, uh, write, a, write the gospel message in the style of Tim Hegg. Right? My father, Tim Hegg. And... It tried, certainly tried, but it's, uh, you know, AI is never going to take my job away. It's never going to take your job away. There is a human element that just cannot be be replicated because God made it. Boom. There it is. Okay. (laughs) You ready to jump in? Let's do this. Yeah. Okay. Let's see here. Um, where do we want to go first? So the main topic that I want to hit on today is do this. As in do this in remembrance of me. Mm. This is a comment from Unashamed to Jesus, but we're going we're gonna to save this. We're going we're gonna to ease into it slowly. Troy saw a video that we did, a short video that we did on Colossians 2.16. Now, for those of you who don't know, I wrote a uh, commentary. It's a real short commentary on Colossians and Philemon. I think it's 150 pages or something like that. It's, it's short. You can go find that. It's on Pronomian.com. Pronomian.com. You can find it. You can also find it on Amazon. Go find it on Amazon. you probably get free shipping on Amazon. You're not going to get free shipping through me. So um, I wrote extensively on Colossians 2. In fact, the bulk of my, of my commentary is on chapter 2 of Colossians. And the reason why is because this is the, this is the, the chapter that so many people... Uh, used to try to say, see, look, we don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore. We don't have to keep the festivals anymore. Fair. Fair in terms of people being able to say that. Whether or not this is actually what Paul was saying, that is a totally different matter. I'm going to go there real quick, Colossians 2, just so I have it in front of me. You can get rid of some of my extra windows here. Okay. And uh, this is what Troy says to us on our, on our uh, video on Colossians 2.16. He says, you are teaching half-truths. Most of the people were Gentiles in this, uh, I'm sorry, most of the people were Gentiles in this are of Colossae. I think he's trying to say most of the people in Colossae were Gentiles. Completely agree. Gentiles were not commanded to keep the Torah or the Sabbath. Let's stop right there. So anyone who has watched this show for more than five minutes knows that uh, Rob and I fully believe that Jew and Gentile alike, uh, as long as you are a covenant member, if you become a covenant member, then you then the uh, covenant stipulations, the regulations, the blessings, the curses, they all apply. That includes all the regulations, which would include the Sabbath. So right off the bat, Troy has a disagreement with us on Gentiles and the Sabbath. In fact, if you look at the covenant itself, if you look at the Torah itself, continually it says, for you and the gear who is among you, for you and the stranger who sojourns among you. You cannot keep the Passover unless you're circumcised. Paul tells us that if you're circumcised, the entire Torah, right, it applies to you. So, you know, I'm not going to say that we should be going into the churches and asking uh, men to drop trow and see if they're circumcised or not. But let me just ask you, you know, if you're a man out there and you're part of a Christian church, Are you circumcised? Does the Torah apply to you, according to Paul?
2: Okay. You want to comment before I go move on? Well, I think this is the the um, so that I didn't have, have the note you sent. I know you sent it to me. He says, "What were the main two claims?" First of all, he says you're telling half truths. Then his his first point was.
1: That the Gentiles it's, were not commanded it, 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 to keep the Torah and or the Sabbath. It's probably
2: mostly mostly Gentile community, right? A and B, Gentiles are not obligated to the Torah, right? Okay, yeah, I, I think we would totally disagree with that, that. That 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 doesn't make any sense. Does the Torah determine their sin? <laughs> oh yes. Does the Torah are they sinners? Like, did they? What are they repenting from? Oh, they, they, they have to repent from idolatry. Okay, says who? Well, how do we know idolatry was a sin for the Gentiles? Especially if you take the Michael Heiser view that God gave the, all the nations of the world gods to worship. Then how could they be sinning if they're doing what the Creator supposedly gave them to do? Exactly, and why would they? Why does the why do the prophets in, in the Psalms? It says that the, the nation, the idolaters, will be ashamed. Why are they ashamed? What what would an idolater have to be ashamed of if 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 he if was the story doesn't apply? Yeah. If he was a Roman and he's worshiping Caesar, why why should a Roman be ashamed of worshiping Zeus? Because it's a false god. Because right. it's false confidence. It's belief in in a nothing. And the the shame is the recognition, like, oh, there's a true God, and I've been living a lie, or I was boasting in vanity. That that's because the Torah is a revelation of the Word of God. So you the say, Torah you say absolutely all... applies. So that so this is such a repeated. Do you call that a trope? What is it when it's repeated over and over and over again?
0: It's, it's a such joke. a fine line between stupid and, and clever. Yeah, it's just like a little turnabout. Yeah
2: is it a trope the trope the gent oh the torah doesn't apply to gentiles that's what the that's what the messianic jews keep saying right and the reason they say it is because they want to get in good they don't want to be a target to the orthodox
1: i think that there's a jealousy issue there too what's yeah, oh, what's yeah. what's so what's so interesting is that this is the exact same thing that paul is dealing with in the first century, including in the Book of Colossians as well. Johnny A asks in the chat room. He says, "Since you're in Colossians, in Colossians two fourteen, is the word dogma, dogmasin, refer referring to two eight traditions of men, philosophies, etc." Yeah, it's interesting because uh, the the word dogma that's used here and the is the same word used in Ephesians. It's used five times, I believe, in the um, in the apostolic scriptures. I could be off on that, but I'm pretty sure it's five times. Uh, three at the on the mouth of, of just a handful. Uh, Paul, yeah, three on the mouth of Paul, and then two on the mouth of others who are not even believers. And uh, every single time, every single time it's used, it's never used of commands of God, but of man-made rules. Yeah, every single time. So uh, I think that this shows that whatever's going on into 15, and sixteen can certainly not be talking about the commands of of God. Now people are gonna people are going to point to the fact that. Paul references the Sabbath and appointed times in Colossians 2. But the point is, is that he's already come from the fact of philosophies of men, right? And traditions of men. And th- these things that he is just slamming. Certainly, the Sabbath is not an invention of man; it is not a, a dogma of man. Exactly, the, sab- the Sabbath is put forward by God. So, something else must be happening here in two
2: sixteen. Let's keep hey, going. And, and guess what? We also know that from now that we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, etc. Et we have even more just right. historical evidence. Jews judging other Jews with how they're with how they're reading and interpreting the Torah. Right. So, like, well, he, let's say, let's say you're a Pharisee and I'm a Sadducee. I come over like, Oof. yeah, I know you. I know you got you Pharisees read the Torah, but you're reading it wrong. Right. You're not doing it right. Well, and and and, and but, the leverage most often the leverage of you're not doing it right is because we have special extra stuff that we we're do Jewish to, and you're that, not that oops. We're right. Well, I mean, even in the the Sadducee Pharisee thing, they're both Jewish. And the, and the Mark 7 or the Matthew Matthew 15, where you have Jews judging other Jews, not based on the Torah, but based on, you didn't wash your hands right. You didn't wash your dishes correctly. Therefore, you're not one of us. It has nothing to do with Gentiles. It has to do with the leveraging of the, of the traditions of men or the philosophies of men as having some sort of um, divine origin and authority that displaces the actual commandments of God. That's the regular rebuke over and over and over again. Yeshua said it clearly in those situations. He says, you are so good at setting aside God's commandments for the sake of your traditions. And that's the heart of Colossians 2, is that you have believers, it doesn't matter what the ratio, it doesn't matter if they were all Jews, if they were all Gentiles or some mix in between, they were a community that was Sabbath observant. How do we know that? Because that's throughout Acts. Paul's always going to synagogues. That's, and there's Jews and Gentiles at the synagogues. That's, that's why they're together. You, you don't have Gentiles and Jews hanging out in the ancient Mediterranean just for the sake of hanging out. No, you have Gentiles coming to synagogues on the shabbat that's how they know who the god of israel is it's not like jews were were going out trying to go into pagan temples and saying hey let me teach you about a different religion no no the jew the jewish approach was look we're here to do business let us we'll pay our local taxes we'll be good citizens but just don't ask us don't ask us to worship your statues we have our own ancestral traditions allow us to honor our traditions we won't ask you to change either and we'll just it'll be a win-win and the apostles come into that situation say no the torah does apply right they have to repent you can't be you 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 can't be uh how would you say it you're not a light you're not a, a light up on the lampstand giving light if you're just telling the gentiles just to you know keep going to your pagan temples Keep uh, just be a good just be a good Gentile. No, you have to repeat preach repentance. You have to preach the truth of who who God is. The thing
1: is, is that what people want to do with two with uh, Colossians two is they want to disassociate sixteen from the rest of the chapter. So look, we have in sixteen. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food and drink or in respect to a festival or a Newman or a Sabbath day. There we go, case, case closed, right? Case closed. We shouldn't be keeping the Sabbath at the festivals. We'll keep reading because he got two more verses that are linked to this specific verse. Things which are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Take care that no one keeps defrauding you of your prize by delighting in humility and the worship of angels. taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. So you're telling me that in 2.16, we're talking about the biblical festivals and the Sabbath, but in 2.18, it has nothing to do with it. Now we're talking about... Uh, worship of angels and, and visions. No, they're connected. People were coming in and saying, You're not doing the Sabbath right. You're not eating, you're not, you're not doing the festivals right. You're not celebrating the, the new moon right. Why? Because I've seen these visions. I've been into the to the third throne room of God and seen the angels worship and you're not doing it like them. You do it my way or you're doing it wrong. Th- this is what's going on. Let's go back. Let's go back to Troy's comment. So now he says, but there were uh there were Jews telling the Gentiles that they needed to be circumcised. I agree with that. Keep the Sabbath. I agree with that. And there were others that were pagan worshipers also offering the Colossians foods that were sacrificed to idols. Now he's off the rails a little bit. Paul says that food offered to idols doesn't matter. This church was a mess as Satan crept in unaware. I would say that this church was listening to, uh, was listening to Jews tell them that they weren't doing things right and they had to do them just like them. Has a Gentile saved? Has a Gentile saved by faith? Faith regenerated by the Holy Spirit, circumcised of the flesh. Uh, the Sabbath is an everyday walk with Christ. That's not. Uh, what does that mean? The Sabbath is an everyday walk with Christ. Describe that. That's. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sorry. What's i know that, that saying? We-
2: is that you can you? What they're in my view, they're conflating things. Right. A life of worship. Whereas you do everything as unto the Lord, so even like right now, right, we're we're sure. doing this. We do it as unto the Lord, and we're in confidence. We have shalom with God because of what Yeshua has done for us. We have we abide in His grace. We abide in 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 uh, Messiah, and what they're and that's true. And then they're taking the well. God in this world says we're supposed to work and then rest on the seventh day, and they're changing the the weekly commandment of a Shabbat to mean something like a metaphor, like it's a metaphor for our eternal rest But, but in terms of that that we didn't earn our own salvation. So, they all, so it's like I didn't have to work to be loved by God, to be justified sure. in the blood of Messiah. Therefore, that's like the Sabbath. Therefore, I'm resting from my works.
1: Let's ask um, this question,
2: though. Let's ask this question, though. What about Moses?
1: Did Moses walk with God? It says that he did. Did Moses speak to God face-to-face as a friend speaks Mm -hmm. with a friend? It says he did. Was Moses the greatest prophet of of that time? It says he was. Yep. Was Moses saved by faith, or was he saved by works? If you say he was saved by works,
2: then there was no need for the Messiah to come. Exactly. And Moses would have, in Romans 4 language, Moses would have something to boast about. Exactly. Now, in Romans 4, he's talking about Abraham, but he said if, if... you know, if righteousness was by works, then Abraham would have plenty to to boast about. But the point is, they don't. Moses doesn't have anything to boast about. Abraham right. doesn't have anything to boast about. So this is what I call a a poetic kind of lane change. And it I think it's good, well-intended. I mean, it's well-meaning, I think. It's like, oh, the Sabbath resting. There's a parallel of like, another parallel is like, you know, Israel in the wilderness, and then they came into the land. They entered the land, and the entering the land is like entering into his rest. And and being born again is like entering the promised land. Like it's taking different little themes and trying to make them it's spiritualizing all spiritualizing kind of, everything. Yeah, everything spirit, becomes spiritual. Exactly. Yeah. So that means no commandment really is a commandment because it's like, oh, well, a guy will say, oh, I'll commit, you know, you'll have a pastor of a huge church committing adultery. And it's like, well, you know, overall, I, I get. I work for the Lord, so you know. I'm so what Look, that there's I, an adulterous relationship here.
1: Exactly. So I understand. I understand that that there are. You know, I was watching uh, Al Mohler address the uh, Southern Baptist Convention in response. Oh, to talk Rick about Warren. that. Maybe not. But I don't know. Oh man. It, I mean, what a dude. That guy's a powerhouse. And Let's Al do, Okay,
2: give us an give us a a short a longer footnote on that because I want to hear what's going on because obviously. Yeah, so Saddleback we have the Church ordination of women. Can a woman be a pastor?
1: Right. Et cetera. So Saddleback Church, along Rick Warren, for those who don't know, along with another church, and I don't know what the other church was, they ordained several women as pastors. Now this goes directly against like the, senior,
2: pa- like right? I
1: mean, like yes, teaching teaching, teaching yeah. pastors. Um, and this goes directly against the Southern Baptist uh, amendment to their constitution, which was, uh, which was I believe, amended in, in 2000. And it was amended for this specific reason. Maybe it was earlier than that, but it was amended for this specific reason because they wanted unity and, and there were churches who were talking about doing this and the Southern Baptist convention came together and said, no, 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 we're not gonna allow this. So they wrote it into their constitution. Al Mohler was the one who helped write that. And so,
2: Rick Warren. Wait a minute. So he wrote that you can't do it,
1: right? So, right. so uh, Rick Warren was given three. So they kicked the Southern Baptist Convention kicked um, Saddleback Church out of the convention, right. which I think was not only the right move, but I think is really interesting uh, and and good for the Southern Baptist, Baptist Convention because it shows that in some way the Southern Baptist Convention is not worried about money because Saddleback was their biggest. Was their biggest uh, money maker? That's
2: a good one. That's a really important
1: yeah. point there. So, what does Saddleback Church do? Well, Rick Warren and Saddleback Church says, "Whoa, we're going to appeal this. We appeal the decision made by the board, and we want women to, you know, we want to address the the committee." And so, I believe it was yesterday or the day before. I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me on that. But uh, recently, very recently, uh, Rick Warren was given three minutes to uh, state his case. And in sure, Rick Warren fashion, he was eloquent and did, uh, did, did well, I think. I think for, uh, for, for a position that I thoroughly disagree with, I think that he stated it very well. And I think that he made a good case for why he thinks he, uh, Saddleback should be in the Southern Baptist uh, Convention. And then they let Al Mohler stand up and give a rebuttal for three minutes. And boy, oh boy, that guy is such a powerhouse. And I think the reason that Mohler is such a powerhouse is not only is he absolutely brilliant, but Moeller, in my opinion, is passionate because he is passionate for Christ. And he's passionate for the truth.
2: And yeah, he's not looking to the world for acceptance. No,
1: he doesn't care. He's, he's going to stand for what he believes, whether or not he believes everything that I would say, you know, I certainly disagree with Al Mohler on, on certain things. We've been talking about some of those things. We're going to get into the communion here in a few seconds. Al Mohler and I are are certainly going to disagree on those things. Um, But with that said, Al Mohler comes out and I think just obliterates uh, Rick Warren's uh, defense in three minutes. And it was, it was masterful. And so I don't know what has happened since then. I don't think that they have come to a resolution on that as of yet. I think that still has to be voted on. But um, it, it's my hope that uh, the Southern Baptist Convention will hold the line on the egalitarian that, uh, you know, view and theology that is attempting to creep in among, among them. Okay, I don't remember how we got there. That was a footnote. That was a footnote. Um, um. Anyway. Anyway.
0: Okay, yeah. should we uh, well, should we move on? <laughs>
1: that is the danger of footnotes. It is the danger of footnotes. Okay, um, I would say let's move on. Let's just move on. Um, and sorry if you uh, if you want us to finish where we were when we got into that, then just email us. We're going to go to Clayton. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, gonna, we, we were like, talking about Paul's missionary to. Um, you know, the dogma we were talking about. Yeah, it's okay. We we're going to move on. Colossians. I'm over it. I'm okay. over it. I'm over it. Yeah. Colossians 2 is about uh traditions of man versus the commandments of God, just like Mark 7, just like Matthew 15, just like a lot of Paul's epistles. I know
1: where I was going with it. I know where I was going with it. Look. Yes. I, Moses was saved just the same way that Abraham was saved. Abraham and Moses were both saved the same way that you and I are saved. And here's the thing, we are all covenant members. We're covenant members, just like Moses was a covenant member. So what's the difference? You cannot, you cannot spiritualize everything. If you spiritualize things, guess what? Then cross-dressing is not going Tell show me why, show me why, uh, why transgenderism is wrong. You're going to have to go to the Torah, right? You're going to have to go to the covenant stipulations to show me that. And and the th- thing is, is that if we get rid of all that, oh man, I went to, can I do, another footnote?
2: Another footnote.
1: Yeah. Another yeah, footnote. Yeah. Here we go. We, we don't have to come fi-
2: back on this one though. Just, okay.
1: just do it. We'll just go. We'll just go. And we'll transition out. Um, we went to a, a church uh, this, this past weekend. My, my family is on the hunt for a, a community. And uh, we went to a Baptist church this last weekend. And uh, the, the pastor was talking about worship and, and brought up the idea that uh, where is the, uh, the, you know, the regulatory uh, form of worship found? And he had these five points. His third point is it's not found in the Old Testament. Okay, now you've kind of lost me already, right? You've lost me already. But then he says, we find it in the creation of man. In his fourth point, we find it in the creation of man. So he says, it's not in the Old Testament. Then he, first thing he does is go to Genesis and the Old Testament to find, the, yeah, it was. And then he talks about how it's not found in the, in the temple worship. I'm just, I mean, at this point I'm ready to stand up and leave. Right. But basically think about, you know, I'm just going down the list of, did he not seem prepared or what? Like, oh no, he was very, but it just shows that there is a disconnect for me. When you try to get rid of the Old Testament, you, you, it doesn't work. You're not going to, you're not going to be able to make any of your points, whether it's, whether you're talking about today's, cultural wars and transgenderism and LGBTQ, whatever stuff, or whether or not you're talking about the church and worship, whether or not you're talking about our commitment to fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, if you throw out the Old Testament, you have no rock to stand on. And neither does the New Testament. The New Testament is not standing on a rock if you get rid of the Tanakh, if you get rid of the Old Testament. And so the point here is simply this. We have to Stand firm on the Torah. The Torah is the covenant stipulations, and it's the covenant stipulations for the new covenant as well. All right, transition made. Let's uh, move. Mm, wow. Clayton writes in. This is what he says. He says, "I agree with you, Caleb, but could you expound on the rest?" Of- so we're in. We're in my topic now. If you don't know, if you don't watch this show, then we're in meals. Yeah, we're in meals and the last. Caleb supper.
2: likes food. Okay, let's just Boom. call it what
1: it is. is. Done, done, and done. That is true. Feed me, feed me good food, right? Okay, go for it. here we go. No meals, meals. We're, so this Reck- is specifically Reck- on the Last Supper. I'm not going to recap this, but I'm going to tell you: go back and watch show 4:30 430 and 4:31, and I recap it all there. What we're talking about, what we're talking about, is the Last Supper and the idea that I have said. Communion is a man-made idea. It, it's talking about what, what Christ is talking about in, in Luke 22 is the Passover meal. And we've gotten a little bit of pushback on this, and that's totally fine. I knew we would. Why would we? Because clearly the church, all denominations, including the heretical denominations, have agreed on the communion throughout history. So everyone's going to say, of course, you're pushing on the one theological stance that uh, everyone agrees on. That's not true. It's, it's a straw man argument, but it's not true. Um, okay, so this is what Clayton says. He says, yeah, I agree with you, Caleb, but could you expound on the rest of the Last Supper story where Jesus says, this is my blood and this is my body and says, this is the new covenant. If you believe it is still a Passover meal, then is Jesus saying that Passover is the sign of the new covenant and now that is, and now that is the reason we do the feast of Passover. Maybe you addressed this in an, uh, already, and I missed it. Thanks. I have addressed this several times. That's quite all right. I love talking about it. Let's talk about it again. So, this really comes back to the study of the of what is called the uh, the Roman Dape non is a uh, oftentimes re, uh, translated as like uh, banquet or or fo- formal dinner. Um, and, uh, Dennis Smith is the foremost, was, he's with the Lord now, but Dennis Smith was the foremost, uh, voice on this, uh, in past. He died, I think three or four years ago, which is very unfortunate. Um, he wrote a, uh, a unbelievable book called from symposium to last supper, or no, from symposium to Eucharist, where he tracks the different meal customs, in the ancient Near East. And I can, uh, I can highly recommend that book. I've read it numerous times and, and, uh, it, it's going to be a snoozer for many, but for someone like myself, uh, you're going to love this book anyway. Okay. So what is the date non? Well, it was a formal banquet. It was almost always that there was no meals that were done. Like just, you just eat in the, in the, in the ancient Near East. If you, if you were going to eat, you did it to your God. You, you incorporated some form of prayer or something to God. And we do that today, right? We, Christians pray before we eat. Jews pray after they eat. Right, so it's the same kind but of thing. But
2: the big, the big one—it's not just a family dinner, right? You usually like even in America, like Fourth of July. You know what is it? You have the whole you have a whole thing together, and it's there's a theme. Yes. There's a sense of national unity. There's yes. flags. There's you know a traditional meals expected. Sometimes they read the you know Declaration of Independence or something like that. You know, so. Uh, Thanksgiving Beer and hot dogs right yeah. I mean <laughs> Thanksgiving so, is a similar kind of thing that would be kind of like a modern day date non people are eating that normal together under a certain understanding and theme that normally don't eat together
1: there, and there is a huge within the date non of the first century which is Roman by the way it's a Roman tradition within the uh date non there's all sorts of rules and the dapenons are talked about, the the, the rules for the dapenon are talked, the first attestation we have of these is 600 years prior to Christ.
2: Okay? And, so when and- the Gospel of John, when, when when I think John specifically, and then Paul calls it the dapenon in, in Corinthians 11, right. but John clearly frames the Passover meal and uses the term dapenon, which for us, we just, oh, they translate it supper. And we just think, oh, it's dinner time. Yeah but what you're pointing out is no for the for the you know ancient near east for the greek speaking jew they hear deipnon passover and they're like oh this is a special formal yeah this it's, is a banquet it's, it's it's a hybrid in other words it is a yeah because it's a pascha and it's a deipnon it means that yeah. yeah it tells it it's a word that helps non jewish greek speakers understand from their world the deipnon they yeah. understand that oh, the Jews have a special date night that's and for their here's the God. Thing is,
1: here's the thing, and is it's called that it, Yeah, and here's the thing is that the 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 Jews based their the first century Jews based their Passover meal. I know this is going to sound weird to a lot of people. They're going to say, "No, this is impossible." They based their Passover meal on the date night, and it would be much like if I said, "Hey, we're going to do Thanksgiving." Well, somebody might say, "Well." How could you do Thanksgiving? You're a Christian. That's not a Christian holiday, right? Well, what we do is we we eat Pass or we eat Thanksgiving. There's nothing that would go against it, but there are traditions from the Thanksgiving meal that we incorporate, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, and it's the same in the first century Passover meal. We see this uh, all throughout. Okay, um, at the Daipnon, everyone laid down, there were couches, uh, it, there's actually uh, archeological digs. You can go look at the triclinia found in uh, the ancient Near East. There, it's a horseshoe shape uh, and the benches are where people would, would recline at table. And the Jews saw this later and said, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna say that uh, that uh, the Jews recline at the Passover meal because they're no longer slaves, they're free. So now they're free to recline. no, no, that's not true. It was just a holdover from the Dapnon, not the point. Um, And I do want to expound this just a little bit. A good example of like uh, rules that would be at the Dapnon, people were, and we see this in the gospels as well, people were sat according to their status. And so when the, when the disciples that are sitting next to Christ, you know, they're talking, they start arguing, well, who's, who's the greatest among us? Why are they doing that? They're, it's because they're sat, whoever sat in certain areas should be in the place of authority. So whoever's next to Christ, they should be, they should be the most important. And this sparks this debate between the, the disciples, okay? And th- there is a lot of, of Roman pagan
2: literature on how a Adapnon is sat. And so this shows while, they, while John is, while well, the gospel is being taught in, and using a non-Jewish term like non to describe a Jewish holiday, the Pascha, it actually uses the Aramaic word Pascha over and over and over again, the Passover, which is really Pascha, that it gets subverted. So they bring expectations from the Roman world of Deipnon, right. and Yeshua starts saying, look... This ain't this ain't your mama's tape non. This is this ah! isn't your pagan friends. Not your mama. Your mama's Jewish. This isn't your your pagan right. neighbors daipnon. Right. And so, the gospel Yeshua always does this. They they you can't take something on its surface because it every thought has to be captive to Messiah. Everything has to come be refined in light of the revelation of the Torah. And so Yeshua says. Yes, we're going to eat together. Yes, this is a dape non. However, it's the dape non of the Lord, which means new rules. And one of the new rules is what Caleb's pointing out is this idea of hierarchy that you see everywhere. Guess what? We flip that on its head, and the 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 king or the the host becomes the servant. He's the one who's washing everybody's feet. Right? He's it it he flips it. We call it flipping the script. Okay. I also call this the original LSD, the Last Supper non. There you go. There you go. Okay. Another thing that is hijacked by
1: by the corrupt
2: culture of the West. Okay. go
1: ahead. Hang on. So it may be helpful to your listeners to discuss the translation implying that Yeshua was instructing believers to drink this cup. This is my blood, etc. Yeah. So here we go. One of the and that's exactly where I was going, Ryan. Um, it, one of the things that was traditional for a dape non is that it was started with a ceremonial cup of wine that was mixed with water and it was uh, then dedicated to a uh, to the God or one of the gods that the meal was uh, Two right that the meal was being celebrated to you would take this cup of wine and you would mix it with water and you would then uh offer it to the god that was being honored at the meal okay and then you would have the supper formal
2: that is the actual food and if there was meat at the table that meat would have already been offered to the same, yes. heathies, same god or the same yeah. pantheon so then you
1: eat the meal proper and then what happens? Another cup is drank. This one, usually without being mixed with water, was drank and offered to the God again, right? And uh, usually there was something that ended the, the right? So the food, the food was eaten and then, the, then a second cup of wine and there was multiple cups of wine, but ultimately this, this second cup of wine was a bookend. So there was a cup of wine at the beginning of the meal proper and a, and a, a cup of wine at the end of the meal proper. And then they would go into a different area of the, of the Depnon. And usually it was like a philosophical treaty by a philosopher or something, and then there would be debate, okay? And we see this in John, right? Yeshua stands up and then he gives his sermon, which is chapters long after the Depnon, right? And then what happens? They sing some Psalms and then they go out. Okay, so the two cups, are very important. let's read Luke 22 here. It says, "Now this is, this is assumedly before the the meal." He says, and he, uh, he said to them, "I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I say to you, I shall not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God." We're going to come back to these two verses in a little bit as well. Verse seventeen. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. By the way, this is another tradition of the Non. That cup that was offered to the God was, was uh, shared among the entire table. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. Fruit of the vine is an important phrase here as well, because it shows ceremonial aspect. Christ does drink wine on the cross, so it can't just mean wine. It has to mean something else, which means he's talking about the ceremonial aspect of this cup. So he says, take this and share it among yourselves for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. Okay, now 19, and when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Okay, now this is, most people stop there. Most people stop there, but 20 is just as important. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying this cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. So what has he done? He's taken the cup beforehand, and now he's taken the cup after, afterwards. You have, you have bookends of this meal proper. He just said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Pascha with you. He has now bookend the, the meal proper. And now he says that this cup, and the ceremonial aspects of what is happening here represent the covenant. Why? Why does it represent the covenant? The answer is because the new covenant is when we come to Christ and we come out of bondage from the from the, the darkness of sin. We come through the waters and out the other side, and now we are free. We have come into a new covenant. And that can only happen what? With Christ. And therefore, the aspect of the Passover, which used to look at the exodus from Egypt, now points to the new exodus. And that exodus is the death of Christ on the cross. And it is represented in this meal. And the ceremonial aspects are there because of the the cup that bookends the meal proper. And the bread that is broken represents the actual meal. That's what's going on. And this is what we see in the Passover. Do
2: you want to... Comments on that? Oh, yeah. I think there's a lot of, I think you did a really good job on that. Um, Of course, one of the noise, one of the bits of noise in the popular secular culture, probably influencing, I know, even some teachers in the church, is the separation of the synoptics from John in terms of chronology. And of course, we interviewed, we had a great interview with uh, Dr. Petrie on that several years ago. Great, great uh, interview if you want to go watch that. Um, but so there's that issue. And then, and then, but uh, we're on the same, even though we're not, we don't follow this. We don't follow Petrie all the way. We just agree right. with how he did a good job of, of talking about stuff that you, your father, you know, Tim Hay, already had, had mapped out 10 years prior. And that's not a that's not a dig on Petri. Petrie came to it of his own research, uh, right. so which is good. That's a good it's a good thing. And it got better traction and greater exposure because of his work. But we certainly don't believe this is the institution of the mass, the Catholic Mass, or that that now all the disciples are now the priests or anything like that. We we, we don't follow Dr. Petrie along the legitimation of the Catholic Roman Catholic Mass. Uh but anyway, with that, that side note, that John, this is the lamb, right? Yeshua is the Passover lamb. We see this in Paul also. And for me, when he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, to me, it has to do, there's numerous ways that we can interpret that fruitfully, I think. It's not just one way. It's deliberate. It's a kind of poetry. It's a prophetic and provocative imagery that he's using on purpose to, yeah. to, he wants to provoke. He's And he's doing it with all authority and unashamedly right? because there's people who are going to be offended at the surface of it. And he's like, let them be offended. But it's participation <laughs> yes. in his death.
1: Yes. Right?
2: right? You have to participate in his death. Yeshua said, or Paul in Galatians, he loved me, he gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ. That means I went to the cross. And I think in second Corinthians five, I think he says, this we reckon that if if one died for all, then all died. Now he's not he's he's not talking about every single soul because he's talking about the elect, I believe. I think we're on the same page with that. Yeshua died. Uh, It's a particular atonement, right? It's a particular redemption. But that participation, we can't benefit from the new creation of the new covenant. That is the forgiveness of sins, the writing of the Torah on our hearts, to be able to live unto God purely unless our sin problem is resolved. And our sin problem is resolved only in Christ's death whereby he died and took us with him and and, and, we and went, God we passes went over the, the sin right and yeah. God
1: passes over the sin because of that blood yes
2: so anyway there's a lot of this stuff that's good to talk about now any time of the year but it's particularly good to talk about it during the Passover season but um yeah so any anyway, any hoodles okay hang any on hoodles. A sec. um
1: no, it is not by the way. Uh hang on who said who asked the question. The question is asked by Darren in the chat room. Is this the same cup being referenced in verse 42 of Luke 22? No, it is not. And some people try to equate this with the four cups at the Passover meal. That's extremely late, 10th century. Uh that the four, you know, or maybe 7th century uh where the uh where the four oh, in cups the garden come. Yeah. With this cup Passover. Right. You.
2: Okay, let's hang cup, on. Just it a shows second. you, this is, it's a great, it's a great point. A, that's a good attention to detail. I love it when people point out this kind of thing, because it's in the same chapter, same author, and he uses cup. And what it shows is that cup itself is a metaphor. The cup, right? The It's not talking about a literal cup when Yeshua is in the garden. It's not like, it's not like you have an old man who's the father has a, like a literal cup. And and you have Jesus sitting there praying to him, and you have he's like drink this cup, and he's like well wait a minute, I don't know if I want to drink this cup. That is, it's a poetics right. to accomplish, to communicate. It's using idiom. It's using um, figures of speech to accomplish to, to to communicate to us. It's not a literal cup.
1: Yeah, so uh Sean in the chat room says is there a reason why Jesus is Yeshua and everyone else is their English name? Uh, no, there's not. I I use Yeshua and Jesus both. I interchange. It's just it's just what I'm used to. I'm not uh we're not we're not on a sacred name bandwagon of any kind. Trust me. Let's move on cuz I want to get to the comment that sparked this entire conversation. And that is by Unashamed of Jesus. By the way, I want to make sure that people know I'm not trying to pick on anyone here. Uh, but this is the question that is asked, so I would like to respond to it. Unashamed of Jesus put this on uh, on one of our YouTube, uh, on one of our past YouTube uh, videos from this past week, uh, where we're talking about the same thing. This We've been talking about essentially this theme for the past, I don't know, three or four weeks now. <clears> That's what so Unashamed of Jesus says. He says, wouldn't have Jesus said... Keep the Passover in remembrance of me. But Christ didn't say this when he demonstrated the Lord's Supper. He said, do this in remembrance of me. The word of God is our authority. I'm going to guess, and I could be wrong on this. Hey, but amen. I'm gonna, the word of I, God is our authority. I'm going to guess that uh, Unashamed of Jesus is, is attempting to use this as a, uh, as a argument for the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. Okay. I'm going to go into my personal note stash, which I like to call the information station. And I'm going to do that because I have written extensively on this specific argument. And so this is not going to be too long. It's about a half a page. I uh, give some references here, but I'm going to read this and then I'm going to let Rob comment on the argument that I have put forward. The Last Supper is framed with the preparation and eating of the Pascha a word that is used six times in chapter 22. Jesus now proclaims, do this, tautu peoite. The language employed here can be found within the Passover narrative of Exodus 12, that is within the Septuagint, where Moses tells Israel they are to do, poi, uh, poiese, the Passover. And this is what it says in Exodus 12:47 40, uh, through 48. All the congregation of Israel are to do, poiese, this, but if a stranger sojourns with you and does, the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and then let him come near to do, again, it, and he shall be like a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person may eat of it. The pronoun, Tautu, that is this, has already been used in Luke twenty two fifteen. This is important, by the way. I think that this is a really important point. He's already used the word this in reference to something else, in verse 15. He says, I have earnestly desired to eat this, Tauto, Passover, with you before I suffer. So he's already used this word and he's gonna use it again now in uh, four, four verses later. In 15, there is no doubt that the pronoun Tauto is in reference to the Passover. And with this as the context, I believe the most plausible interpretation of Tauto is verse, in verse 19 is, once again, in the reference to the Passover. What is more, Jesus says to do this, in remembrance, something that should be, be uh, should bring to our minds back to Exodus twelve fourteen. In twelve fourteen, it says, "Now this is the day. Uh, now this day will be a memorial that is a remembrance to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord." So you have both these words in verse in verses uh, fifteen and nineteen to do, and this are used multiple times in reference to the Passover. And we see this in the Tanakh. Both, Anamne Sin in Luke twenty-two nineteen 19, and uh, sorry, my Greek is awful, in uh, verse 12, uh, 12, 14 are derived from, uh, and I'm using a ton of Greek here, I apologize for all those who don't. Anyway, the basic point of this is that the term to do and a memorial are all used within the Torah. In reference to the Passover, and not only that, but I, I want to make one more point point. then I'm going to pass this over to Rob. Think about this. Let's, let's flip the script just a little bit. Let's say that I, I have grandkids now and I bring everybody in. Everybody into my home, my kids, my grandkids, and I say, hey, I want you guys to set up the Christmas tree. You know, I have really my entire life longed to celebrate Christmas with you and my grandkids. And I hope when I'm gone, you'll do this in remembrance of me. Would my kids and my grandkids say, hey, grandpa's telling us to make a new festival in remembrance of him that's totally separate from Christmas? No, of course not. Everyone would know exactly what I was talking about. And yet, when we read Christ, do the exact same thing in the reference to the Passover, we, the church says, oh, he's creating something new. No, he says to them, go and prepare the Pascha. I have earnestly desired to eat this Pascha with you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do what in remembrance of him? He has said Pascha six times before this. I, 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 don't th- I think it is surely implied and the the notion that he is telling us to do something different even though he's using the exact words that are found in the greek septuagint of exodus 12 to me is cannot be supported rob
2: what he said yeah the do this i was just while you're reading i was just pulling up all these places in the in the in the Hebrew where you have the same, basically, it doesn't matter if it's Hebrew or Greek because it's, it's exactly the same. You have the verb to do, which in Hebrew is lasot. In Greek, it's poieo. And then you have the direct object of the what we call a demonstrative pronoun, this, do this. And um, yeah, and I, I think it's, again, this is, if we throw the Torah out, if we throw the Old Testament out, then we, we've thrown out the constraints that help us learn what things mean, right? And, and in my view, I think one of the primary first steps of sound biblical hermeneutics is Scripture being interpreted by Scripture it means that we okay we're seeing something here like like the idea this cup but we the brother quoted uh later in in luke 22 about the cup that yeshua mentions in is praying on um the mount of olives in the garden of gethsemane so we go back and we like well what what is cup well that's where you want to go back and, and look in the prophets look about the cup of the wrath of god what is this cup What are the different ways that cup is mentioned? We need that here too. We need that here with the Pascha. Right. And the very fact that we have the word Pascha used over and over and over again, the fact that it's in Jerusalem, that it's anticipation, it's called uh, one of the gospels that says, and this is another place that we know that the word Pascha had a whole bunch of various meanings, similar to like Christmas time. It could mean the day after Thanksgiving, when they start playing Christmas music in the malls, right? It's Christmas time, right? All right. the Christmas displays go up. Okay, it's Christmas time. Is it literally Christmas? No, but it's. But the idea is that it's Christmas. People start saying Merry Christmas to each other. Okay, it, it's the same kind of thing. It says in one of the, maybe in more than one of the gospels, it says, uh, and it came to be the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called Pascha. Pascha, right. So now there's a perfect example, it's like, Mm-mm. okay, pasca can just refer to the season the whole celebration of of right the whole week it doesn't have to be but it also says to eat this Pascha is talking about the lamb particularly when it says when it came to the time when they were slaughtering the the Pascha. well right. how do you slaughter the Pascha? that means it's now talking about the lamb you don't slaughter the feast of unleavened bread you slaughter the so all these things have to be considered when we Want to interpret and refine our get some clarity on our understanding of what the scripture is teaching. We have to look at the full counsel of the scripture. This is another reason why the tossing out of the Old Testament is there's no future for a church that does that. There's no future right. uh, inside the church anyway. There's no right. future. You, you, maybe they'll they'll have a have a nice sale for a while um, out in pleasing the the leftists or whatever the pagans, but. Um, so, but yeah, so so the the verb to do, followed by what we call a demonstrative pronoun, this, the, is totally anchored in the language of the Passover from both the Hebrew and the Greek of Exodus 12. And elsewhere in the prophets, you can see they did the Passover. They did. And that's one, Caleb, and maybe you mentioned this, but I was kind of had my attention on the accordance. <laughs> um, sometimes it's translated celebrate. Like if you read about Josiah, when they celebrated the Passover, if you go and look, that's an interpretation that the English is providing. It's just to do. Literally, it's the translator's like, well, do we say, and they did the Passover? No, let's just, people aren't going to understand. We need to help the English reader translate it, right. celebrate. But you're never going to look at the verb asah right. in Hebrew or poeo, and just think, oh, it means celebrate.
1: No. It, yeah, exactly. it it only means
2: celebrate in the English context when they when the object is Passover and they're like okay it's like celebrating a feast and and you see that this so, is how paraphr- paraphrastic translations come in they're trying to explain to the audience.
1: So I'm going to give you references that that Rob gave me this morning because I was asking him questions about this. Rob gave me these references. These are cross references in the Tanakh where the Hebrew says to do the Passover. Numbers 9.4, 9.10, 9.12, Deuteronomy 6.1, 2 Chronicles 31, 5, 35, 1, 16, 18. All of those say to do the Passover. Christ Is there tells a Nehemiah
2: us, in there too somewhere? Uh, anyway, uh, probably. Was, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, they, they,
1: uh, Christ tells us to do this in remembrance of him. Nobody's questioning that in the first century. It's only after you have the sacraments of the Eucharist come around. And this is going to finish us off. Sean in the chat room asks, if this is the Passover, if this, all brackets, if this is the Passover, then what are we to do when other believers take the sacraments? I believe that this is, this is something that we're having to wade through at this point in time. And, and I have talked about this last show in the show before, I talked about you know the fact that I used to take communion with people, with just about anyone, um, now I am selective about what the person's theology is. Why is that? Well, if, I bel- if a person believes that it tra- in transubstantiation believes that the, the elements become the body and blood of Christ and believe that it is a sacrifice of Christ again, I believe that this is idolatry. Christ was sacrificed once for all time. And uh, people believe that they are gaining salvation by receiving grace from these elements. If uh, someone says that this is a means of grace, I don't know what that means. And I think it's a holdover from transubstantiation, even if you don't believe in transubstantiation. And I am hesitant then to to take the communion with someone who believes that. If somebody says, this is looking back at the Last Supper and we are communing together as a a body of Christ, we are eating these things as a a form of worship to God because of what he did on the cross. Now I might say, I think you got it wrong in terms of the way that you've interpreted uh, Luke 22 and First Corinthians 10 and 11. But with that said, I will worship with you because I believe you are worshiping the same God as me. And it's all based on, on the Last Supper anyway. In that case, I personally, personally, would would take communion with, with people. However, I think that, uh, and I'm the first to admit, I will be the first to admit that my theology on this, on in terms of taking communion with, with communities, is starting to shift and has shifted uh, a lot over the past couple of years, so it's I'm I'm still in a in a state of flux on this. Somebody might be able to to um, to convince me otherwise. But right now, uh, unless it was sim- simply this is just a sign of what Christ did. It has no um, grace attached to it or anything like that, but is simply a sign of what Christ did uh, on the cross and what he did at the Last Supper. Okay, now now I'm I'm going to be much more apt. To, uh, to sit down and take the, the Lord's Supper with you. Okay, this is always fun. I, I, I mean, the time, fl- when I'm talking about the Last Supper, time flies. I, it just goes by so quick. I could talk about this a lot longer. I hope that you have enjoyed it. And uh, if you want to give us ideas of things to talk about on this show, please shoot us an email, cheg C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com, c h e g g at torresource.com. You can also call our comment line, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. Don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. It does help us. I know that sounds weird, but it does help us. And we hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? I think you know why. Because Messiah matters.